0: Hi, welcome to the Honest to Goodness podcast. I'm Janet Jacks, the founder of Goodness Me Natural Food Markets and the author of Discover the Power of Food.
1: And I'm her daughter, Emily, a healthy mom and food lover seeking balance in this crazy life.
0: And here on Honest to Goodness, Emily and I want to share and explore our own experiences with wellness and give you a glimpse into our lives and the challenges we face as we try to live as healthy as possible. So, Emily, you recently returned from a road trip that was spontaneous. You'd been craving sunshine and gone through in your family lots of deadlines for work and just looking to a little window of time when you might get away and you just got in the car with hardly any prep and went. What happened? (laughs) Yes
1: we had very low expectations as to where we'd end up but we both knew we would like to make it to South Carolina where the sun's shining and you can swim in the ocean but we knew that that would be two days of driving with three kids and that scared us both a lot, but we were also very desperate. So we decided to just go for it. There was flurries the morning we packed. We got everything packed and in the car and somehow I think the kids ate breakfast too. I'm assuming they did (laughs) that morning and food packed for lunch all within an hour of making the decision to go with one very sick baby, which sounds a little crazy, but I think I was a little desperate to get away. And we just decided wherever we ended up, we would, you know, if it was just one night somewhere close and come back, that would be okay. But if we made it, even better. So we did make it. Lots of bumps in the road and lots of moments where, oh, what are we doing? But yeah, it was really good. And I think some things that made it really smooth was I knew there was a potential we would go away. And so I had prepped with... A few snacky foods that we could put in the car so we didn't have to actually on the way down stop at a restaurant to eat and that really made a huge difference and that doesn't mean i'm super organized because i'm definitely not but i just had a few foods that i knew traveled well tasted good would fill fill up the kids and us as well as some i would say more empty snacks which would just occupy them in the car
0: let's hear the the healthy ones first that you'd prepared ahead what did you take along that you knew that they would like and that was nourishing and satisfying
1: so I have a muffin recipe that I use no flour I just use oats and I do a lot for breakfast it's like a banana it's more like a baked oatmeal muffin to be honest and so I had some of those baked up and I had some prosciutto and some other cured meats that were all ready to go that we could eat and some different cheeses and raw veggies and fruit and obviously the fresh things we kind of go first but we have a little small cooler spot in our vehicle so that allowed us to keep some of those things cold for longer and then I had things like popcorn like non-gmo popcorn that is just basic. So it's, you know, an easy kind of fluffy food. Applesauce containers and seaweed snacks and fruit leathers, things like that. Things that aren't too sugary or too unhealthy that they're filling up in a lot of junk food, but things that they would just consider treats and that are more treat like. So we did a lot of those types of things.
0: Now, obviously, because you were thinking about it all the week before, you had made those things and in case you went. And of course, if you didn't go, you could use. Them at home as well. Exactly, yeah,
1: exactly. And, you know, if we stopped along the way, there was one point we had to stop and it was cold and rainy. So we actually stopped at a grocery store and I was just going to let Jane, she's walking now. Kind of run around and the kids kind of stretch their legs. So we ended up buying some things there, like little healthy yogurts that I found, some little crackers to keep Jane occupied because she wasn't feeling well, she wasn't eating a lot. So there wasn't a lot she was interested in. And just a few little things that would also kind of be healthy but also carry us through. And I think I love when I do that because I do find then you're not, you know, eating a lot of unhealthy food, you're not spending a lot of time in a restaurant where The kids have been sitting and then you have to make them sit again. So all those things I think gave us the ability to go further and therefore kind of make it to our destination mm-hmm. in in the time mm-hmm. frame we had. And,
0: and certainly when you're traveling, I mean, lots of us are going to be doing shorter or longer road trips over the summer with holidays. And it's always good to go prepare with some food and not just if there's children, but especially if there's children, but also if there's adults, because if you are traveling somewhere, you might want the break of going to a restaurant and sitting down, but you might also feel anxious about the amount of time that takes. And I don't feel good when I eat in restaurants all the time. It's better to have that be an occasional thing. So lots of things I would take along with me would be similar. I would take things like olives and raw vegetables, certainly some different cheeses, crackers made out of seeds because as you know, your dad doesn't eat grains, so we have to look for something that's crunchy that you can hold in your hand. And you know, almonds, of course, other kinds of nuts are good and they'll keep as well. So it's always good to have some substantial things. Avocado, just eating half of an avocado, if you'll do that, and carrying a little salt shaker because a little salt on that or other things. Hard-boiled eggs, if you have time to make a bunch before you go. So those are some things we might take on a road trip.
1: And that reminded me, I did bring hard boiled eggs and I also brought hummus and also some bars as well, which are easy to get along the way at grocery stores, but I really like the good fat bars as Susie's good fat bars, which are really yummy and my kids like and I find sit really nicely. So those are some things I also did bring with us.
0: Well that made the trip easier. It made it less expensive, less time consuming, and people were well nourished, so I think you did a great job, especially on the fly. (laughs) I thought you might go, and I went to your house on the Saturday to see if I could help you pack, and you'd already left. (laughs) And and so there you go. By the time I heard from you, you were far away. (laughs) So let's uh, leave it there and go to our first topic. So let's talk about something very timely, which is just the growing interest in plant-based foods. Now, I mean, we've always been interested in plants uh, far as I remember as a child, we always ate different plants, but now there's a real focus on it. Canada's Food Guide has pushed us in that direction. The media is pushing us that direction. Food innovators are coming up with different ideas and there's a big competition going on. And so those are some of the motivations for plant-based foods.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's a motivation for producers to make already prepared foods that are plant-based because I think a lot of people aren't ready to tackle the You know, vegan cooking and it might be very intimidating. So, seeing familiar foods but in a plant based version is very comforting. And so, Beyond Meat is hitting the Canadian market or, sorry, has hit the Canadian shelves already. And people are, I think, they're going to take to it really quickly. And so, I wanted to talk about what we think about Beyond Meat or other brands or some of these plant based foods that really replicating the familiarity of meat and how we already use some of that.
0: And there are various ones. And it's interesting that different companies have a different focus. For some, it's like flavor test is everything. And for others, it's how can we copy the nutrients of of meat? And I I think that this is a very important question because we know that vegan diets are lacking in several key nutrients that we have to find ways to get. So how are we going to get them?
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's a good point. I I like the idea of having a replica similar to, say, beef or whatever. Usually it's beef they're trying to mimic right now. You know, how are they going to get the protein and the fats and the iron and, and so on that people are looking for when they're eating meat. I mean, really people aren't always looking for that. They might just like the taste and it's easy and it's familiar and this is how they've eaten and this is what they want to make. But Health Canada is really motivating people to eat more plant-based foods. And so there's the pressure to kind of do so. And some people are not unfamiliar at how to do that rather than having, you know, their meatless meals might just look like pasta, which is not always, you know, the staple that we should be going for. So Beyond Meat has really come forward, I think, with one of the most similar profile I would say to beef out there and has done so in the one of the cleaner ways possible, but is it ideal? And we will talk about that a little bit. We have the Beyond Meat Company, but then also there's other brands like the Impossible Foods and Morningstar Farms and Light Life, which is an offshoot of Nestle. And when I look at some of these, they all are taking different angles. So we've got Morningstar Farms, which is considered yes plant-based but when you look at it it's a lot of wheat based soy type things in their products so it's not really ideal I mean if you're gonna eat wheat why not just eat bread but anyways that's a whole other thing so it's a lot of processed low-quality not very nutrient-dense type products so when you look at their plant-based chicken nugget you're really getting a lot of wheat or corn and a lot of other kind of thickeners and texturizers and different flavor profiles but not a lot of nutrients. When you're looking at Light Life it looks like they've really tried to copy what the Beyond Meat has done with the pea protein as the main staple but it's not non-GMO and they also use corn in there too which also doesn't state being non-GMO so I'm assuming that the quality of that is low and There'd be the genetically modified concerns with some of the ingredients. And then we've got Impossible Foods, which is using more science to make something called heme, which is what gives beef its unique kind of flavor and texture and and satisfaction. And they are manufacturing it, but from soy. And so we know there's lots of concerns with over consuming soy, especially genetically modified soy or soy that's been sprayed and treated and processed heavily. And that's really what the Impossible Foods is kind of using with science to create a very beef-like feel, but then there's the Beyond Meat, and the Beyond Meat is using completely non-GMO ingredients and mostly pea protein isolate as the main ingredient and the main source of protein and nutrients.
0: I like the fact that they tried to put into it the nutrients that need to be there, the amount of protein, keeping the, the fat within the range of what you would find in a beef burger, and also trying to include iron as well. So I like those things. When we think about pea protein in general, there's been quite a bit of interest in this in the last decade, I would say in a growing interest, using it in various protein smoothies, protein powders as one of the proteins that they use. What's your take on pea protein?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, pea protein is an interesting one because in some scenarios, people do find it can be extremely bloating, You know, cause some digestive pains in that way because of course peas and, and beans and legumes can be difficult for some individuals to digest, but lots of companies have worked hard to process their their pea protein in a way that reduces bloating and creates a kind of cleaner digesting product so therefore it's you know taken off in that way and pea protein actually the sustainability of it and the way that it's grown and harvested is actually incredible and when you compare it to say soy which I mean, the amount of peas we're growing compared to the amount of soy we're growing is the pea industry is a fraction of that, even though it is a booming and growing product. Soy takes a lot more water and pulls a lot more from the soil, whereas peas take a lot less water and they actually build nitrogen into the soil. So you don't need to use fertilizers in order to keep growing the peas. And often actually it's used as a a cover crop in certain types of farming to enrich the soil so we know that it's actually good for the earth and there's not needed to use a lot of chemicals in order to keep it flourishing And it's easily non-GMO, which is good as well. There's a lot, the big producer of it is organic. And so that's really exciting as well. Now there is a few things that can go either way, which when you're taking the peas, of course peas have a lot of starch and fiber in them. They're not just pure protein. So if you're eating the the peas or what we kind of know as split peas, that's what they're growing, the yellow peas you would eat a lot of starch and you'd have the protein and you'd have the fiber in there. So they actually have to isolate out that protein. And that can go through either a chemical process or a more natural process of refinement. And so we, you don't always know, but if you're getting a product that is organic, non-GMO, you're likely getting the big producer who's using food enzymes to, to kind of process and break down that, protein into a kind of a more isolated form that's more natural. Otherwise they're using hexane, which is a neurotoxin and a petroleum byproduct. And hexane is used in a lot of different food manufacturing processes and it's not uncommon to use in a lot of varying ways, but it can be used in the manufacturing of pea protein isolate as well. So those are some things to know, and so buying quality pea protein is important because you don't know what process it's gone through to get to where it is in that food. So yes, something like Beyond Meat is exciting in a way because I think it opens up a lot of options for people who are looking to add plant-based foods to their diet but are hesitant to know how or don't have the time or resources to kind of gain knowledge in how to cook some vegan meals but we also have to be aware that even though it's pretty well built out and some of the crops are sustainable and it's non-gmo that it still is a processed product in the same way that we supplement with protein powders which I don't have anything against those because we do need them for a lot of things and they can be beneficial. We still consider that a supplement. And so you're essentially using modified foods, foods that have been processed to build out this food-like item. And so it's like, where's the definition of food and where's the definition of supplement? And that's kind of where this is a gray area when we're seeing products like this come out is that they have to use some processed foods to really make it work taste good and have all the different aspects that we're looking for when we're mimicking another food.
0: I think those are are good thoughts and I'd like to ask you if you would try it.
1: I'd absolutely try it. I'm really excited actually to, to try it and to taste it and experience it and I'm curious to see you know how will it digest, how will it sit, how will I feel after eating it, will I notice any difference in that sense, will it digest well, will it feel bloating, will I feel satisfied with it, will I make it a part of my weekly kind of meal schedule or will I add it in? I probably won't, but not because I think it's an unsafe product to add. I just think that I would tend to want to make a meatless meal from more raw ingredients. So using lentils or beans or whole grains to create and vegetables to create something myself rather than buying something that is been made and processed for me. That's just my tendency.
0: And you you are a natural cook. You can look in the cupboard and say, I'm gonna make this and you can come up with something. You're having trouble swallowing your tea when I say that, but but you are you, you are not stymied when you look in the cupboard and see that you have some lentils and you think, what can I make? You can come up with something and not everybody can do that. How do
1: you feel about it?
0: My first thought is hmm I think it's great for the vegan who needs to make sure they're getting those nutrients and is going to eat a vegan burger of some sort if we can have a better one with cleaner ingredients, non-GMO, get away from the wheat and the corn, and you know, focusing on something that has more protein. So if you look at the nutritionals, like the amount of protein, fat, and so on, it comes across well, You know, 20 grams of protein per serving, and we're looking to get... 20 or maybe 30 grams of protein in a meal so add a few vegetables and you're going to get little bits of protein there if you need more and and you know three grams of fiber zero grams of sugar it has five grams of net carbs or five grams of carbs actually I'm not sure if it's net carbs five grams of carbs so it's low in carbohydrate. so when you look at the nutritionals that's good when I look at the list of ingredients there's many good ones and then there's those ones that are like less than 2% of. And I think about that. And would I actually eat those if they were put out on a platter and a smorgasbord? Would I choose those ingredients as part of what went on my plate? Absolutely not. And so, you know, there's a little bit of reticence to for myself to jump into that. But I also see That for all the companies that are trying to do this, they have really set, let's get the nutrients into this product as their number one priority. Where other companies might be more about, you know, flavor and and texture and test tasting it. And I wanted to add in that regard that one of the, the burgers that's trying to be a competitor and has actually improved, well... I guess they have improved. They've changed their ingredients this year, and I think it is an improvement. And when I look at their nutritionals, they are trying to be just a little better than Beyond Meat. But there's some things about it I don't like when I look at the ingredients. And one of those is the the heme and the process of that. So they use a legume hemoglobin molecule from the root of the soybean plant, and they put it with a yeast, and it's actually a genetically modified process that is used. And then they have a scientific advisor who's a professor of molecular and cell biology at University of California, Berkeley, and he sounds... Wow, like so convincing that genetic modification has been with us forever. But then when I read to the bottom, I find out he's not only their advisor, he's also a shareholder. And he's rationalizing that GMOs have always been with us. And I disagree because we have not had the technology to combine plant and non plant, like plant and bacteria or plant and fish. You know, these are genetic modification is plant and non plant. And his point is plants have changed through all the years. And yes, they have through hybridization through cross-pollination but that is not genetic modification so I just think when we're looking at all the different plant-based proteins and burgers that are out there competing for our attention we don't need to look just at the nutritional profile but also at the ingredients and think a little bit deeper in making a good choice.
1: And another good point about Beyond Meat is that it looks like they are corn-free and corn Yes, we know the genetic modification is an issue, but not only that, corn can be an irritant for a lot of people and disturb their digestive tract and create all this other havoc in their body as well. So... You know corn is added as a food ingredient in a lot of different manufactured foods so not seeing it is very refreshing as well.
0: Yes for sure we know that corn is in more than 10,000 foods so we just don't need more exposure to that for sure.
1: And I think in summary to all this the drive towards plant-based foods is going to be ever increasing and we always want to keep in mind environmental impacts and so on and a few podcasts ago we talked about the ethical omnivore and I think that still has a lot of merit and being an, an omnivore or someone who does consume meat doesn't mean you can't include some of these plant-based foods in fact I think the biggest consumers of some of the things like beyond meat are going to be people who eat meat but are trying to lessen it in their diet but I want to encourage people too that i still maintain that eating local healthy naturally raised meat in reasonable quantities is a very good choice both health-wise and environmentally and it's a very sustainable option because you're buying local you're supporting local and not only are those animals thriving and existing because in those circumstances but also that allows them to enrich the soil and enrich plants and so there's this relationship between animals and the earth and plants and they need each other to thrive and survive and so I think if we're cautious and and we don't need massive amounts this is the concern right I mean people are always like Americans love their meat well they do and they love copious amounts and they love it to be cheap and they want it to be you know easy to get and all this sort of thing and of course that's not a healthy choice we want to be having reasonable amounts of healthy raised animals and if we choose to be vegetarian or vegan then we definitely need to be seeing more plant-based options that are fun and allow to us to open up to creative meal options. But yeah, I think Beyond Meat is for more than just a vegan. I think it's gonna be for the, the meat eaters, the omnivores but also be aware that we can make healthy meat option choices as well.
0: I was thinking in summary of this topic that I've been teaching classes on nutrition for 40 years, and I have seen every trend come and go, every kind of food that we should have and shouldn't have and what's hot and what's not. And, and so I've often thought about what makes healthy food. And I think whether you want to be you know, paleo or vegan, vegetarian or keto, whether you want to be grain-free or not, all of these options, there are a few principles we always should think about because food should be nourishment and pleasure. So first of all, it should be enjoyable. I think food should be one of our great pleasures, but it also should be nourishment. It shouldn't just be enjoyable. So here's a few things that we can think about as we evaluate our food choices. First of all, I think our food should be real and whole because there are nutrients in real whole food that we don't think about, that we don't measure, that we may not even know about, that are naturally present there and have been forever. So we should focus, first of all, on real whole food. Secondly, our food needs to To be blood sugar balancing. And this is for all of us. This is for little kids, this is for children, teens, healthy young adults, older adults, people without any issues, and people with issues. We need to eat food that creates a steady, Insulin response. Thirdly, our food should eliminate refined and processed fats and allow us to enjoy real healthy fats and no fear about saturated fats because those, if they come from a healthy source, are good. Fourthly, they should be digestible, as if we can't digest our food. And you know, you mentioned that corn can be irritating. Well, actually, corn and wheat can be the two most irritating things to the gut because of how they've been changed. They're not. The same as they were decades ago, years, hundreds of years ago. They've been changed and now they're hard to digest. So finding foods that are easy to digest, whatever that might be for you and what you might digest is not necessarily the same as someone else. And I guess lastly, I'd say I would look for non-GMO. This science and technology is way too new for us to know exactly where that's going to take us. And so that would be my, my choice. So happy eating. <laughs>
1: Let's take a quick break and we will be back with questions from our listeners.
0: Eating vegetables is one goal that we all know is a good one. We need ways to incorporate vegetables throughout the day to benefit from the powerful plant pigments and antioxidants they provide. And we also know that eating locally produced foods is good for the planet. So here's a great option that serves both purposes at once. Holy veggie! Founded by two friends and made in Ontario, Holy Veggie is on a mission to get more veggies on your plate. Packed with veggies, Holy Veggie patties are great for barbecuing this summer. And the ingredient list could easily come from your own pantry, real whole foods. Holy Veggie burgers are free of gluten, dairy, soy, and nuts, and they're made with non-GMO ingredients. They have no artificial colors, no preservatives, no artificial flavors, and no added sugars. Now that is awesome. Whether for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, fuel your day with holy veggie burgers. And get your veg on. Welcome back to Honest to Goodness. In our second segment, we answer questions from listeners and offer some advice from our experience. You can send your inquiries to questions at goodnessme.ca. What are our questions for today?
1: We have a question from Ray. Hi, Janet and Emily. I'm going to my first barbecue of the year next week, and I would love to bring something that'll go over well. Any recommendations for a simple but delicious dish? Thanks in advance.
0: Well, I know that last summer I took this dish to a barbecue. It was a a big community event. And I didn't know how it would be received, but it got gobbled up, and people asked for the recipe. And that is uh, Mediterranean lentil salad. So this is a very simple dish. You cook the green-gray lentils, and basically you're adding some finely chopped vegetables, some red pepper, and then a nice dressing, and then feta cheese on top. You can find that if you have a copy of Discover the Power of Food. You can find it in there. And if you don't have a copy, well, maybe you should get a copy because there's a lot of great recipes. But that's the first one I think about. And on the next page there is also the avocado salad. So especially once tomatoes are in season, this is a very simple avocado and tomato salad that is just delicious and quick to put together and goes with most anybody's choices whether they're eating meat or not eating meat both of these dishes will be welcome
1: and I have a similar idea to the with the avocado I have a nice bean avocado and cilantro and lime and you can also add some corn make it non-gmo after all that talk of corn and that makes a nice little sweet crunchy yummy side salad as well that would go well. We have another question from Layla. She says I am adopting many of the new food guide recommendations including more plant-based foods but I am struggling to reduce my salt intake while keeping the food tasting great. Any suggestions?
0: One of the things that I don't like about Canada's new food guide is their absolute focus on low salt. Low salt everything. We know that when we put salt into a dish it helps bring together the spices and flavorings that are there. And there's something that it rounds it out so the flavor profile can be amazing. We don't need just salt to flavor things, but salt together with spices and herbs. And the guide is so adamant about low salt. They're even saying, you know, buy low salt, low sodium canned beans, for example. And this is just too low of salt for the average person. And I'd like to ask Leila and our listeners, do you crave salt? Think about that. Because if you crave salt, you probably need salt. And we're too worried about the wrong white powder. (laughs) We should be worried about sugar and not so worried about salt. Um, Mind you, we have to get rid of the salty, salty, junk food, but I know what happens when you cut your salt too low. That bag of potato chips is looking more and more and more inviting until you can't resist anymore and you open it up and you, you, you eat the whole thing and you lick out the salt in the corner of the bag because you are salt deprived. And when we cut our salt too low, we have cravings. We don't enjoy our food as much. So I see a lot of issues with that.
1: No, know a lot of people, this opens up a whole can of worms, but a lot of people might say, okay, well, then how much is enough? And how do you know that's safe? Because I'm really concerned about my cardiovascular health.
0: That is always the question, high blood pressure and salt. And that question was put to rest for me many years ago when I interviewed Professor Michael Alderman from Albert Einstein University in New York. And I said to him, well, people are cutting their salt down because of blood pressure. This is what everybody's telling me and they have for a long time. And he said, but you know, it only will lower your blood pressure by one or two points. And you're still going to end up on blood pressure medication if you're relying on cutting out your salt for your blood pressure. We actually need to have all of our electrolytes in balance. We need more magnesium. We need more potassium, which we're going to get from our vegetables and fruits. And then we can put sodium on. And when we have a balance of those, we don't have a problem with our blood pressure. And the other thing that surprised me that he was so adamant about and that people don't know is that cutting your salt too low raises the risk of heart disease in four or five other ways. Yikes. Now, that's that's a piece of news that people don't know.
1: Well, there we go, Layla. Um, I'm not sure that my <laughs> mom's going to have any suggestions of how to make low-sodium food taste good, but now you, s- you are free to use some good quality salt on there.
0: Do you want to add, like, what do you do? Do you restrict salt? No, you don't. I don't. And, and, you know, are you particular about the kind of salt?
1: I think I am particular about every food I buy, but, you know, some people might call me a food snob, but... I, yeah, I buy whole mineral salt, unrefined salt, fancy salt, you name it, a variety of them. (laughs) And then I use it freely. And I find, in fact, I never get water retention. I never feel, you know, puffy from that. The only time that would ever happen is if I'm indulging in some sort of junk food and have had too much refined salt. And then guess what? You drink some water and that goes away. So the consequences of too much sodium really mostly come in those concentrated prepackaged forms. So yeah, I, I really think it's an essential part of every culture's cooking. And I think that we should keep carrying that through into the future. So let's leave it at that. But if you have any questions about health and wellness, or you found an interesting topic to share with us, send us an email at questions that's questions at goodnessme.ca.
0: I'm going to ask you, what's for dinner? What are you cooking?
1: Well, all that talk about barbecue <laughs> and something to bring. I think about, I love this with the warmer weather. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but Jane just turned one. Once you're listening to this episode, she'll have just had her first birthday. And I, the winter definitely and the cold weather lasted a lot longer this year because I remember sitting out waiting for her to be born, basically, just in that warmth. But Here we are, and we love to barbecue because I like to lower the amount of dishes (laughs) that I have to do, enjoy time outside, and then I'm not really the one who barbecues, so then I get my husband to help me out, but I always have to do some sort of side with it or a couple different sides, and I mentioned the kind of bean salad with the avocado and I can, I think that's the recipe I'll share, but basically what I do, I love white beans. I don't know why, I'm just very attracted to them and I love the way they taste and their texture. So I start with the cannellini beans and I love the Eden cannellini beans, rinse those off and I'll put some avocado in there. And the lovely thing about avocados is I, I keep a steady supply and I stick them in the fridge when they seem ripe. So that way um, they don't get overripe and rotten on me. Although that still can happen occasionally. And then I'm going to chop that up, diced up into still big kind of chunks. And then I'm going to do some fresh cilantro. And that's going to start to pop through my garden soon. I My cilantro reseeds itself every year. So I get cilantro coming up if not buy a bunch of that and uh, it's worth having fresh fresh cilantro for this recipe and then some lime juice and that can be fresh limes if you have them but I also use the lime juice concentrate and it works just fine and then in a if I have it I really love the stallbush frozen corn it's non-gmo and it's one of the best tasting corns you can taste besides the local on the cob when it's in season so I'll add a little bit of that because it just brightens it up a little bit and keep it really simple maybe a little bit of olive oil and then of course some salt (laughs) and I find it's always a hit and that can be varied you can do some black beans in there if you want you can leave the corn out you can actually you know leave the avocado out you can just change it up a little bit but the lime and the cilantro are enough to give it so much flavor and it brightens anything when you contrast it with something that's been barbecued or grilled. Sounds delicious.
0: And just to clarify, I think cannellini beans are also called white kidney beans. Is that true? Yeah, I think they are. I don't see that on the label, but we sometimes read that in a recipe. So mm-hmm. that sounds delicious. And we're going to leave it there. I want to say thank you to all our listeners for joining us. That should do it for this week's episode. And we'll see you next time on Honest to Goodness. Eating vegetables is one goal that we all know is a good one. We need ways to incorporate vegetables throughout the day to benefit from the powerful plant pigments and antioxidants they provide. And we also know that eating locally produced foods is good for the planet. So here's a great option that serves both purposes at once. Holy Veggie. Founded by two friends and made in Ontario, Holy Veggie is on a mission to get more veggies on your plate. Packed with veggies, Holy Veggie patties are great for barbecuing this summer. And the ingredient list could easily come from your own pantry, real whole foods. Holy Veggie burgers are free of gluten, dairy, soy, and nuts, and they're made with non-GMO ingredients. They have no artificial colors, no preservatives, no artificial flavors, and no added sugars. Now that is awesome. Whether for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, fuel your day with Holy Veggie Burgers. And get your veg on.